It's time for Fish Facts TV. Welcome to Fish Casting the Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner of Fish Facts TV. Hey, Tanner. I'm Captain Tim. All right, everybody. We got a jam-packed episode. Um, you know, now we're really set into this every other week. This was a time where we probably could have done a podcast a week ago, but Tim was on the road, so we had to wait. So we are going to uh, make it a lengthy one. And for those of you on the East Coast that are probably staying home from work the next couple of days for Hurricane Nicole, and you are tired of this election coverage, you know, this this will be a nice reprieve. Um, Tim, you got any opening shots before we uh, get rolling? No, I'm excited to uh, to hear about what what you've been up to. I know you've had a couple nice trips. Uh, I had a fishing trip uh, for a tournament I was in, inshore tournament, and then I did a lot of uh, fishing up in North Carolina. So um, both with spinning rods and reels and a uh, little fly fishing. So um, lots to talk about. Very excited. Well, let's start with the North Carolina fishing, because I know I got to talk about snook. I'm going to talk about snapper. We always talk about snook. We always talk about snapper trout. We only get to talk about uh, every, every once in a while. So uh, what's the scoop, Tim? I saw some cool uh, pictures. I can't remember if they're on social media or you just sent them to me. Yeah. um, I just sent them to you. I gotta, I gotta post those things. I just haven't had time. Um, Yeah. So I did my family vacation up to North Carolina um, I, I do it every year. It's something that I've been doing for like 10 years now. Um, it's important to me. It's important to my wife and, and uh, my mom and dad. And we also have some, uh, um, my aunt and uncle live, live up in North Carolina. So it's nice. It's, it's really the only time of year I get to get up there and see them. Um, this year was a little different. Normally we stay in like far Western North Carolina by like Murphy area. This year, we, we stayed near Franklin um, for access near Asheville because we had some family events going on there. So I was in kind of quote unquote virgin waters for me. I hadn't fished these areas before. So um, finding new new creeks and, and territory to fish was um, was something new for me there. Um, I didn't have the, uh, um, the, the list of spots and access to go to that I normally have. So um, over in Franklin, there's a lot of little creeks and whatnot. Um, and, um, I just did some scouting. I started scouting a few weeks ago, um, on, on where there was public access, looking at, um, different like neighborhood streams, what I thought looked like would hold trout. Um, there's a couple different types of streams over there. There's ones that hold more like perch and, and panfish and suckers. And then ones that hold more of the trout variety. And, you know, I, I, I get such a limited opportunity to fish for trout. So I really wanted to focus on the, the fast moving clear water streams um, with those mountain trout. So got a, uh, a couple spots um, pretty close to where we were staying. Um, we had a rental house and um, just really the spots that I ended up going to the most were the ones right down the road from the rental house. Um, so we had access. So it's like, why go somewhere else when there's fish in these streams? At the, at the time when I started, I didn't know there was fish, but um, took me a little time to get on them. They were not very big. Um, the fish in these streams were anywhere from like four inch brook trout up to maybe like 14 inch rainbows. I think my wife caught the biggest rainbow trout and that was about 14 inches. That was a, a pretty good size one. I mean, that was really big for this little creek. So um had a really good time just throwing um, 
little artificial worms. So I started out um, trying the area with these little, um, they're like Berkeley power bait, small artificial worms are kind of tannish looking about two inches long and, and a tiny little, I don't even know what size hook, eight or 10. Um, and just, just throwing it up current and letting it drift into the eddies and, and um, you know, rocky areas where, where these trout would ambush flies or worms or crickets or whatever they're feeding on. So um, got a lot of hits before I started getting my technique down. Um, and that's when I realized how small these fish were. Um, caught a handful over the, over the course of a few days um, of trout and rainbow trout or brook trout and rainbow trout in like the, the three and a half, four inch range up to six inch range. And then I found a, a real nice honey hole um, further down after some more exploring uh, where we caught some of those bigger trout. So um, all in all, a, a really good time. Um, you know, I, I only really tried this one area because I knew there was fish there. And, and you know, most important to me is spending time with family. And I didn't want to just run away and go go fishing all day and trying to explore. Um, but hold, uh, hold, that hold on a second, Tim. Did yeah. you say you caught a three and a half inch trout? Yeah. <laughs> so real, real small. So that gives you a scope on you know, how, how big these fish were and, and just how, um, a lot of finesse went into it. So I mean, you can barely <laughs> even feel these guys eating, you know, it was just, uh, it was just a, a, still a lot of fun. I mean, I'm using, I think two pound test line on this tiny little spinning rod. Um, it's like a, I think a seven fifty size reel. I mean, it fits at like half of the size of the palm of your hand and it's a, just a tiny, tiny little setup. Um, so you know, I bet you our buddy Luke Avgard would, would probably envy the setup and how small these fish were because that's kind of his thing. But, um, you know, uh, um, kudos to him because it is tough to catch those little ones. Um, but that leads me into the fly fishing aspect. So um, I did give some fly fishing a try. I started out throwing tiny, tiny little dry flies that I've had success on similar flies in the past with small mountain trout. And I could not get them to eat. I tried and I tried and presentation was changing. So then I tried, tried to do different, um, you know, so I was catching these trout on artificial worms. Let me try an artificial fly worm. They call them squirmy wormies. Um, so I tried that and nothing. I tried and tried and tried, walked, I don't know how many hundreds of yards up and down the stream doing thousands of fly casts and losing way more flies than I care to mention because of all the trees. Um, yeah, couldn't get it done on the fly this time. So that was, um, humbling to say the least. And, uh, um, I look forward to, to getting back out there and, 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 uh, doing a little more fly fishing, um, you know, next year. And, uh, you know, now I kind of have a little bit of an itch. I want to scratch. I wasn't able to get anything on the fly rod. So maybe I'll break it out. Um, one of these days around here and try to get on some snook or, or something offshore. I don't, I don't know what yet, but, um, it was a lot of fun and, um, look forward to, pursuing the fly a little bit more in the future on here. Yeah, Tim, that actually uh, kind of similar to my fly story. I, I spent all of last fall chasing trout on fly and, you know, I bought the fly rod and, and never ended up closing. The only thing I ever caught on the fly rod was a pickerel and I intended to use it more here, but it's just tough. And, you know, I haven't taken a day to really try to use a fly rod, um, you know, 
I don't really know what scenario. You know, it might be fun to go try to catch a mahi next time uh, I get out there with the fly rod. I, I think those are pretty easy to catch, but I just think my setup might be a little too light um, for anything but a real a real dink. But you know, those uh, those little amber jacks that we caught uh, last time would probably actually be a lot of fun um, on a little fry, fly rod. But I agree with you. Uh, a trout on a fly is definitely something that I want to do. And I'm hoping uh, to get up there maybe next spring uh, with my in-laws in Colorado. So we will, we will have to see. Um, but eventually uh, I'm, I'm going to get there. Yeah. And, you, and, you know, I, yeah. While, while you were, you were mentioning that um, about your fly fish and everything, I was like right, right in lockstep with you. I think trying for those Almacos or those little amberjacks or whatever, you know, just throwing something that moves fast on one of those weed lines out there where you fish, um, whether it's mahi or whatever, would be a lot of fun to kind of, um, you know, bend, <laughs> bend the rod a little bit and, and hone the technique. I think that'd be really good practice. I, uh, I brought the fly rod out um, this last summer to the sandbar and just made a couple casts. I think I jumped a ladyfish and that was it. Um, so I, I got to be better and um, try to try to get on some real fish. But um, what did uh, you get into? I know it's been a little while. You did a lot of fishing, mullet run, uh, all sorts of stuff. So what can you tell me about your last couple of weeks? So the mullet run has officially ended in Miami. Um, I fished a few more times after our last podcast, and I was able to get on to pretty – you know, as the amount of mullet started shrinking, I was still able to pull out a couple snook here and there. And then once the mullet were totally gone, um, I was able to get some in that same spot with uh, the flare hawk. So I, I probably pulled three or four more snook out after our last conversation, maybe a couple little jacks. Um, but, you know, like like all good things, it must come to an end. And, you know, those mullets started disappearing and you know a, a couple of years ago i feel like i remember seeing more schools of straggler mullet you know this year i really didn't see too many um and you know i'm still keeping my eyes open still going on my morning runs actually ironically enough this morning i saw a mullet on the sidewalk um when i was <laughs> going on my morning run i'm not sure where it came from it seemed pretty recently deceased I don't know if maybe a bird tried to get it and it fell out of its its hand. So clearly there are some mullets still around, but but the 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 mullet wave has crested. And uh, you know at this point I I did enjoy you know catching those snook. The biggest one was probably 26, 27 inches. You know again kind of like what we talked about the last time. Nothing huge, but the the little ones are still a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I'm going to continue to keep fishing, especially the spot near my house, um, in the coming months and keep my eyes open for mullet. I think maybe once it gets a little cooler, maybe I'll start seeing some more of them, but, uh, you know, I, I had an okay mullet run this year. It wasn't as good as it was two years ago, but I still came out with probably 10 to 12 snook, uh, you know, fishing before and after work in the mornings. I got one on the beach and a few more in the canals. Um, so yeah, it, it was a fun mullet run. I didn't get any of those huge 35, 36, 37 inches like I wanted to, but you know, I, I did get, um, a lot of fun fish. No, that, that's nice. And, and, uh, you know, to be able to have the opportunity to, to fish something, you know, so profound as the mullet run. I mean, I know the mullet run all in that part of the world is, is very, very popular just with, 
how many mullet pass through and, and um, how aggressive the fish get. Now, over here, we don't really have that. Now, where did these mullet really go? Is it just a big spawning um, clod of mullet altogether and then they kind of just disperse? Or like what happens to them after the quote unquote run is over? So I think they go, they kind of disappear into the keys. So it, it is a north-south, you know, you, you start seeing them start to form up in big schools. I, I'm not sure if they go as far as South Carolina, but I know they do, um, they do see them as far south as Georgia. So I would assume at least South Carolina, potentially as far as North Carolina, you know, they start boxing up. Um, cause you, you see them on the way back up in the spring. Um, but, but there never is many, you know, the fall run is when they really come down thick and then, you know, they, they winter in the keys and then they go back up North in the spring in a little bit smaller numbers, a little bit less density, but, you know, they basically spend the winter, uh, down here in Miami, obviously there's different kinds of mullet mullet can live in a lot of different types of environments. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of disperse into the creeks and canals and into the keys and you know they're just not in the density that they are with that with that fall run when they come south yeah it's um it's something i'd love to fish I've, I've yet to do it over there um you know i've seen large schools of mullet over here but it's it's nothing like you know the videos and stuff um i've seen and, and hearing you talk about it with just how profound the fishery is um you know I'd, I'd love to see it uh glad you had a successful one i know it wasn't like those big slobs you were catching a few years ago, but Hey, I know there's always next year, just like me and the fly rod, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's one of those things that's really tough to plan for. Um, if, particularly if you don't live here because the, the window is only open for a couple weeks and it's not open the same couple weeks every year. You know, it's last year I was getting them far into November this year by November 1st, I wasn't seeing any. So, you know, they came a little bit earlier this year and they were dense for two or three weeks, and then they were gone. Um, and then, of course, I think part of it was these hurricanes kind of messing with things. And, you know, it, it was enjoyable. But, you know, now that it's over, the, the fishing's been tough the past couple weeks. It's been real windy. Um, but I, I have gotten out and, and done some other fishing. Yeah, um, I think you said you went out with your with your dad and were able to, to get on some fish. Um you want to talk about that or, or yeah yeah I'll, i guess i'll go in straight into that and then i'll let you uh let you tell us about your guided trip and then we can go into our kind of odds and ends so my dad was here uh this past weekend and i, I he was here for the florida state miami game florida state had an incredible victory wanted to make sure um i, I mentioned that but uh he came down here and i planned for us to go in the boat both days and then Saturday started looking bad and Monday was looking okay. So I canceled the boat for Saturday and I got it for Monday and we were going to take the kayaks out on Saturday. It ended up getting worse Monday. So we ended up taking the kayaks out Friday and just fishing from shore uh, or the kayak Saturday fishing from shore Monday, which was yesterday um, on Friday, we went back in my little Creek, uh, around here where I used to go in the John boat. I've caught snook, kuberas, dogs. You know, my dad's goal was to catch a dog snapper. Um, he'd never caught one before. And we went back there and, you know, there were fish, but it wasn't like I'd seen it in the past. Didn't see any tarpon rolling. Um, a guy we saw at the boat ramp told us he did get into a couple tarpon, but no snook. Uh, you know, we caught a ton of snapper, 
but all just seven, eight, nine inch fish. You know, I think I might have caught one dog in the 11 to 12 range. Caught some really big blue striped grunts, you know, a ton of grunts, some decent schoolmasters. So a hodgepodge of fish, but really nothing with any size. Um, and even though we probably caught 30 fish altogether, it, it wasn't as hot as I've seen that place in the past. It just didn't get... Um, get as busy as it usually gets. So it was a little bit disappointing, but my dad did get his first dog snapper. Um, and I got a decent sized dog snapper on the artificial. So it, it was fun to get out there. And while it wasn't the day I was hoping for it, I'd still consider it a success. No, I, I'm, I'm sure your dad, um, you know, will, will cherish that memory of being able to go out there and, and catch all those fish with you. I know you guys have countless fishing trips together. Um, but you know, it always is nice to share that with, um, you know, a family member, especially your dad. So that, that's really cool. I'm happy you guys were able to get out and, and kind of salvage, um, you know, the, the tough weather conditions. That's so frustrating when you make plans and then you change plans, trying to predict the weather and then everything just kind of, um, goes the, uh, the other direction. You can't really, um, can't really utilize the time like you'd like to, but I'm, I'm glad you were able to. And um, how big did you say his first dog snapper was? Oh, uh, seven inches long. Hey, I, man, you know, still counts, right? You I, know, I caught one. Fish. Yeah, the, I, I caught one that was probably close to 12, which was probably our biggest fish of the day um, on a gold shrimp. But he was only using the live shrimp and it just, you know, they weren't there. A lot of grunts. You know, I think he still ended up catching two dog snapper, which again, that's what he really wanted to do. He wanted to get that first dog. And if you haven't caught a dog snapper, they're, they're very pretty. They look a lot like kind of a cross between a mangrove and a schoolmaster. Um, but they have a, a more of an orangey pinkish color, um, which is, which is really cool. Um, and they are a little bit bigger than your typical mangroves, but th it's weird you know, I've seen a lot of people catch big ones offshore. I've never caught one offshore, um, but there's a few creeks down here where they do, the little ones come up in pretty big numbers. Yeah, you know, Tanner, I've, I've never caught one offshore. Um, I'm, I've never, I don't think I ever have caught a dog snapper. Um, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, the offshore with the dog snapper. And then a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned, you know, some kind of funny weather with the hurricanes and whatnot. Um, I know we didn't talk about that we were going to discuss this, but I've gotten a lot of reports um, that after Hurricane Ian, a lot of fish have been displaced over here in the Gulf of Mexico. And people off Tampa Bay and north are regularly catching mutton snapper and dog snapper um, when they go out fishing for uh, red snapper or mangroves or bottom fish. So uh, it's pretty wild. I'd love to be able to get out there. It's just windy every every weekend I try to go. But um I, I don't think I've caught one. I, I hope to catch one soon. Maybe it'll still be around by the time I get out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, this weekend's actually looking nice. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to get out there. But y y I've seen a few people get big ones here. I think they catch a lot of big dog snapper in the western Gulf of Mexico. Like around Belize is where you see like the, the consistent big dog snapper. You know, I, I see people on reports here catch big ones here and there, you know, and they get 25, 26, you know, they get a little bit bigger than mangroves. Um, but you know, they're, they're just less prevalent, obviously compared to the amount of mangroves, reds, muttons 
that you see. There's just not nearly as many uh, dogs and orcuberas. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. They're they're a, a pretty mighty snapper. Um, would love to love to get my hands on one one day, but um, hey, I'd even settle for a seven incher like your dad. <laughs> yeah, and th- and then I'll bring that to the last thing. So Monday. We were on the way to the boat club and the boat club canceled. So I called a Hail Mary and I decided to go to this spot in the South Bay where we could fish from shore. And I'd heard rumors that people had caught bonefish there. So we drive south. I've only fished this spot once. It's about a 40-minute drive and a 15-minute walk. Um, We got down there. I – Brought the snag hook, and I was able to snag hook about a 12-inch mullet. Um, dropped it down, and just very similar fishing to the creek that we fished two days before. Small mangroves. My dad, the biggest fish of the day was probably about a 16-inch jack Um, I think he got about an 11-inch mangrove. And, you know, I just caught a couple mangroves. I snag hooked a jack or a, a horse-eye jack along with that mullet was probably the biggest fish of the day. Um, you know, I think my dad caught a little barracuda as well. So, you know, we caught a lot of little fish, but we didn't see those. The, we actually were, were ran into some FWC officers. They told us they'd seen people out there catch 40 inch snook, redfish, black drum, bonefish. And, uh, we unfortunately ran into none of that. Just uh, medium-sized jack crevals and medium-small snappers. <laughs> well, thanks to the uh, the FWC folks for really rubbing it in, right? <laughs> you're, you're already lackluster day with uh, the boat getting canceled and then trying to salvage it, and they just uh, they decide to poo-poo on you. Um, well, I think it was a good audible that you called. Um, I think we may have talked about this maybe offline or uh, maybe here that, that there is that spot down there. Um, I really can't remember, but it definitely sounds intriguing. You know, anywhere you can go, um, you know, in Florida and wade in or, you know, from shore essentially catch bonefish. I mean, that sounds awesome. I know you guys weren't able to get into them, but um, the fact that, that there is that opportunity is pretty neat. Yeah, you know, I think if it would have been my plan A, we would have been out there by 6.15. But since it was my plan B, we got there by like 9.15. And, you know, I, I I personally like being there right at first light. So, again, a lot of things kind of didn't go the way I wanted them to go. But I think we still made the most out of it. No, it sounds like it. And um, did, did you say you were using that big mullet as bait? Did, it, did anything ever grab onto it or was it just too big for what you're uh not that i know of it got hung in the bottom and i ended up losing my hook but you know i i know there like he said there's 40 inch snook i'm sure there are big snook sitting at that spillway but we were just not able to find them especially at you know 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning is not the best time to catch big snook no i agree with you there i think um if it was your plan a and you could get get out there early um definitely be more productive but once again, just like, uh, you know, your other trip with your dad, I'm sure he had a great time and um, we'll cherish those memories that he made with you. Absolutely. All right, Tim, well, let me hear about your guided trip. Yeah, so I went on a, uh, I fished in a fishing tournament um, that was put on for charity here in Tampa Bay. Um, part of the tournament entry fees goes to paying for a guide 
So everyone that's entered in the tournament, it's a, it's a team-based tournament and a guide is provided at random for all the teams. Um, I think there was like 35 teams total with four person teams. So quite a few people fishing. Um, and like I said, it was all guided. So every boat that went out had a guide, a local fishing guide. Um, we ended up, uh, um, getting out, um, and, and tr really trying, you know, this, this, let me back up a bit. This tournament was kind of weird. The structure of it was snook, trout, redfish, mangrove snapper, and jack crevel. So kind of a hodgepodge. You know, usually these inshore tournaments are like snook, trout, red. And if there's a kid's division, maybe there's a jack, a ladyfish, or mackerel. But um, this one was an aggregate. You want to put as many fish, um, as many different species for the total length as possible on the boat um, for your team. So um, we were fishing with this guide. Uh, his name was Jason. I can't remember his last name. Super nice guy. Kept a very, very tidy boat. Um, I wish I could remember his last name. Um, but anyways, uh, we did some fishing around some of the spoil islands that are in Tampa Bay. We did some fishing around some docks and um, some kind of like deeper canals and things. And then went over to um, some really shallow areas with some structure that was, I had no idea was there. You know, I fished in the Bay my whole life and we kind of found it. He showed us a spot really that I'd love to go back to. Although I don't think my current boat could get there, but um, all in all, there was four of us fishing on board. Um, it was my buddy, Justin, who works for a firm that sponsored the boat. So I was the benefactor of that equation. So I got invited to come out fishing um, because he knows I'm an adequate fisherman and, and could hopefully put some, put some fish on the board for that team. Um, we had a couple female anglers on board, so we had a mixed crew. Um, Justin and I were, were probably the, the more seasoned fishermen, but, um, we, you know, we had a great time. The ladies caught a bunch of fish. I think in total, the boat probably caught 40 or 50 snook, um, but they were all pretty small. They were all, you know, in the 15 to 25 inch range. I think the biggest snook I caught was about 26 inches. And that was the biggest one for the boat for the day. So um, didn't really get into the mixed bag like we hoped. Um, we couldn't seem to find any redfish. Couldn't seem to find any snapper. Um, didn't get a, um, well, we did get some trout. They just weren't very big. I think 17 inches was the biggest trout. Um, I didn't personally catch one. Um, I seemed to, to catch all the snook, but, um, I also caught a small Jack, maybe, maybe 15 inches long. So all in all, we, we had a great time, but, um, we, we didn't really, we didn't place, um, unfortunately, which, which kind of let me down because I knew we, I could tell we're in some good spots. We just weren't able to, to get those really big bites and get them in. I did lose a pretty good size snook, probably 30 inches. Um, just pulled the hook. Um, unfortunately when we were fishing some docks, but, um, you know, the, the, the real, the real bummer of the day was that the guide was kind of late getting over there. Or there was a miscommunication and that we didn't really have any waters on board. So it was like 90 degrees in late October and there was like six waters between everybody. And we were like rationing water while we were out there. It was so stinking hot. Um, so I, I have to believe that, that we were not up to our peak performance due to dehydration. And um, if, uh, if we would have had more waters, um, it would have been a totally different story. 
Um, but all kidding aside, it was a great day. Um, found, a, I don't want to say found a couple new spots, um, but I discovered some spots um, while fishing in the tournament. Unfortunately for me, I don't think there's a ton of big fish there. And they're also way on the other side of Tampa Bay than I usually fish. So um, even on a windy day, I don't see myself making the trek way over there. So I don't think I'll ever fish them again. But um, <laughs> if I if I do find myself over there um, at some point in time in the future, I would try them again because um, it was uh, it was interesting fishing, a little different than um, you know what we have over here um, on this side of the bay. So um, definitely eye opening and a whole lot of fun. Yeah, Tim, you know, the, some days are not always the best days, but you know, it's always great to be out on the water. And if you're catching fish, kind of like the day I had with my dad, you know, maybe not exactly what we were hoping for, but we still got some good fish in the boat and still had a lot of fun out on the water. Sounds like the same thing you guys were doing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, it was, um, it was on a Friday, so I was uh, off of work and um, it was nice to get out there. Um, Really nice to connect uh, with some of these folks and um, network with the the other fishermen in the tournament. So um, all in all, a lot of fun. I hope I get invited next year, but I know I'll bring a case of water for sure. No matter what. <laughs> and and Tim, let me ask you, what were you guys throwing? Were you using uh, artificials or live baits? So we were only using live baits. So um, we had a ton, a ton of little greenbacks. So a bunch of like three inch long white baits and uh, maybe a couple dozen bigger white baits. Um, the, the, the captain said he had a hard time finding any, any um, white bait of good size. So another captain actually gave us a scoop. We traded our small ones for big ones. And um, it was funny. I'll bring something else up. You know, this is a guided trip. There's a, there's a, there's a guide the captain and he brought a friend out who was acting as the mate who was you know in the beginning tying on the hooks and you know if you'd lose your bait he would put a new bait on for you he'd ask you if you want to cast it etc after about 10 minutes of fishing the guide was just like hey man are you good here can you handle yourself and I said yes because he could kind of tell that I, I had a little bit idea what I was doing and um you know by the end of the day I was helping retie leaders and, and do all this stuff so I guess it's uh, it's it's tough to kind of take that hat off and um, and be the client in, in that space, but um, still still had a lot of fun um, helping out and um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time. And I wish we'd have had more large baits because all the bigger hits I got were on those big ones. Just wasn't able to connect every time. So bigger baits and waters next time will do it for us. It happens. It happens, Tim. All right. Well, before we go, we got a couple segments today. We, we only have about seven minutes left, but we might max out this for the first time in a while. I have three more things that I want to talk about. First, you know, after we had the, the walleye conversation, um, I saw this article in our local Miami uh, newspaper about someone who was arrested for shooting six undersized snook in south point park south point park um i'm not sure if i said that i've said this before but it is one of my favorite beach snook fishing areas so hearing that somebody was out there you know shooting snook 
undersized, really, really grinds my gears. You know, we can talk about people up north catching walleye with weights in their belly all they want, but this is something that really, really hits home um, and is really frustrating to me um, just to hear that someone would so flagrantly violate so many um, of our state fishing laws. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's illegal on so many levels that, you know, kind of baffles me. Um, you just hope that, you know, in reality, this was this individual's first time and that he hasn't been doing this for weeks, months, years. Um, and hope it's a lesson to other people who may have that idea. Um, it's not worth it. It's not. Um, and uh, you hope that he didn't make a too big of an impact on that snook fishery that you, you love to fish at. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those FWC officers are out there there and they're doing uh, they're doing great work and finding stuff like this. Um, you know, it's a, it's a thankless job to be in law enforcement a lot of times, but we, we really do appreciate the FWC for for finding offenses like that. And I know they take snook very seriously. You know, I I, I think if uh, if if they catch you with snook and lobster, they really, uh, really write you up for everything they can. Whereas if you're, if you're got a nine and a half inch mangrove snapper, it might not be as, uh, as hard as a punishment. No, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I think certain fisheries are more delicate or, or susceptible to, to harm with stuff like this. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of was joking earlier about the FWC guys, telling you and your dad about all the big fish that you guys didn't catch, but you're absolutely right. It is a thankless job. And, you know, I do appreciate what they're doing, both on the law enforcement side and a research-based side. So, um, you know, keep up the good work and, and finding these guys that are uh, breaking the law. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, I ordered the new GoPro. Um, I think it's called the black 14 mini. Let me, let me double check. Um, but basically, you know, some of my most popular videos are my review videos. So I intend to do, okay, it's the Hero 11 Black Mini. So my old GoPro that I used to use for almost all my videos was called a GoPro 5 Session. And unlike most GoPros, it just has a single button on the top and it's much smaller. So what I was able to do is I'd get a bite and I'd hit the button and start recording and I could fish all day long on one battery charge. So that GoPro after four years of hard fishing recently died. Um, you can only get those used on Amazon and they're very expensive. So I got a newer GoPro Hero 7 Black um, about two years ago and it was my backup. I didn't use it very often, but since the other one broke about six months ago and you can see my videos have really slowed down because even when I do go, this thing is always running out of batteries. It's doing weird things. I really don't like it at all. Um, so I ordered the new mini, um, and I'm thinking the mini is going to be a lot more like the session. It looks much more similar. So, uh, hopefully if I can get out later this weekend, I'll, I'll be able to drop a review video on the channel. But I, I saw, I ordered it about three weeks ago and I saw that it just shipped today. So I am very excited about that new GoPro. Yeah, man, that is exciting. I look forward to, to seeing that video and the, the other fishing stuff that you produce. It's always fun to see someone you know and interact with out there catching those lunkers. So uh, I'm excited for you. 
All right. And the last thing I want to talk about, you know, we're always asking for people to leave reviews. We don't get a lot of reviews, uh, but we got a really awesome review this week. I'm not going to read it, but um, it's public if you go on our iTunes page um, from a couple local fishermen that you know, just left us some really nice compliments. And we just want to say thank you guys. Uh, we really appreciate the review. Really means a lot to us um, that you would take the time to write something like that. And, you know, it makes us feel appreciated. And, you know, we'll continue to do this podcast, even if we're shouting into the void, but getting some reassurance <laughs> that somebody is listening um, does does make us feel better about what we're doing. Tim, any thoughts? Yeah. Did you uh, take a read? Yeah, no, I did. You sent that to me and, and it was uh, a very heartfelt and, and nice review. So thank you to those individuals that, that sent that um, to echo what you said. We do appreciate it. We do read it. We love the feedback. Anytime I get any Instagram uh, messages or anything uh, about topics, whatever it may be, you know, reach out. Um, don't be shy. I had some listeners reach out when, when Hurricane Ian was coming through wishing me well. So um, I do appreciate it. I know you do as well. And um you know, we, we want to continue to do this and we definitely, definitely uh, thank and appreciate all of our listeners. Well, all right, Tim, we are about out of time. I am going to get myself some dinner. So, uh, just wanted to say, uh, you know, leave us a nice review and we're going to be dealing with the hurricane Nicole coming up. So, uh, you guys stay safe on the West coast, even if you uh, do see any yourself. Yeah, um, good talking with you, Tanner. Um, thanks again for everyone listening, and uh, stay safe out there. All right, have a good one. All right.